This is the Commission Church Online. Welcome to our podcast. We want to be a church who brings heaven on earth through the word of God and the love of Christ. I pray this week's message blesses you. And uh, our creative team is working uh, to put the stuff together to get ready for that series launch uh, in two weeks here. Uh, but we will have a break. Uh, we, we had a break between those series where we did some standalone messages, as we call it. And, uh, you know, the voice of God just speaking to us as a church uh, and the Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us in a season like this into what we need to be reminded as the body of Christ, as, uh, as, as a church here in Plano, and why God has put us here. Uh, it, it, they were encouraging words. They were encouraging messages. If you missed out on any of those, we did kind of a two-part uh, message series called Songs From, and uh, we talked about David, and last week we also talked about Job and how uh, there are songs from pain and songs from a cave that we often sing uh, in our deepest and darkest moments. And if you missed that, go ahead and uh, go to our podcast or our YouTube page, and you'd be able to catch up on those messages. Uh, I'm going to share a message this morning, and next week, Pastor Brian McLean will be here sharing a, a message with us. Um, uh, we, we, Sonia and I, won't be here next weekend. Uh, we are traveling to New York to, uh, to, uh, for a wedding, uh, so keep us in prayers as we are on the road next weekend, but we will have regular service here, and um, you know God's going to move in a powerful way as usual. But today, I want to title the message, The Gifts of the Spirit. Uh, it's very self-explanatory. It's not a twisted title or a, a, a title of the sermon that you need to like really rack your brains on to understand what it means. Uh, there's no mystery behind it. Uh, it simply means we're going to study about what the gifts of the Holy Spirit are. Uh, I want you to turn your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, verse 1. And then we'll jump to verse 4 and go all the way to verse 10. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1, and then we'll go 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Uh, real quick, uh, as a church, we always talk about how we are a Bible-believing church. Uh, we are a Bible-based church. And what that means is that we give so much importance to the Word of God, uh, just because, because it is the living, breathed Word of God Himself. We put so much of importance on it because of the power and the potency it has to change lives and transform lives. The Word of God has transformed my life and my understanding. Uh, my, uh, my growth as a Christian has come a lot out of diving into the Word of God and reading the Word of God and understanding and studying the Word of God. And in that, I have understood the importance of reading and understanding and studying the Scriptures. And we follow a very similar model here at Commission where we study the Scriptures in, in depth, where we follow a very expository method of study, where we dive deep into the Word, dissect the Word, go book by book, uh, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, literally, uh, and, and, and don't skip out on any verses. We study the Word for what it is. And uh, along with that, being a Bible-believing church, we are also a Spirit-filled and a Spirit-led church. Now, every time the church is exposed to the term the Holy Spirit, people become really spooky because they're like, they're, they're probably uh, somewhere down the line, they've witnessed some spooky stuff. Uh, they've, they've seen some crazy stuff when uh, people talk about the Holy Spirit and they've witnessed things that, uh, that have probably drawn them away from church, possibly, and the idea of what the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit does. 
Now, Paul is trying to clarify that to his letter to the church in Corinth, uh, because here's a church that's whack. They're they're just gone uh, crazy. They've gone astray, and he's trying to bring them into the fold and bringing them to understand what really being led by the Spirit and being filled by the Holy Spirit is all about. So he begins this chapter in chapter number 12, verse 1. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers... I do not want you to be uninformed. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. So he's beginning by saying, I want y'all to understand. He's been talking about the Holy Spirit in length over here over the last few chapters. And here he's jumping in and he's talking about the gifts of the Spirit. And there have been these rumors and people misinforming people and getting upon stages and lecterns and podiums like this and speaking and preaching whatever they want. And hence, the, there's this risk of uh, what, what, what popular uh, theory, uh, when, when people love popular theory, there's a risk of popular theory becoming practice and becoming theology. And that's what was happening in the church in Corinth. And Paul wanted to do some clarifications, so to speak. Uh, for those of y'all who are joining us for the first time today, uh, I just want to let you know that the setback here, I want to clarify, has nothing to do with my message today. Uh, if you were expecting me to jump upon the, uh, the, the set here and go up the stairs and go into the jail there, I'm not going to do any of that. We're not preaching about Joseph. Uh, I was joking with our production team earlier this week uh, about how we have a set on stage. And sometimes we have sets because Courtyard Theater is primarily a theater, and they host a lot of plays and events here, and unfortunately on a Sunday morning, we can't tear all this down to have Sunday service. I'm just glad there's no underwear there. That, I'm, that's, that's what I'm glad about today, right? So let's thank the Lord for a somewhat decent set, all right? So, so let's do with what we have, all right? Some, maybe I could include some of this stuff in my message. We'll see how the Spirit leads me, all right? So just wanted to clarify that. Now, just like that, Paul is clarifying that I don't want you guys to be uninformed. There's so much stuff going on. But in verse number four, he picks up and he says this. He says, now there are a variety of gifts, but, but the same spirit. A lot of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is, it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the Spirit of utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another by the same Spirit, to to another gifts of healing, uh, 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 faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, and to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits or the discerning of spirits, to another the various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. Now what we're going to try to do today is kind of dissect this message for what it is, because there's so much of misunderstanding, not just in that church of that day, but there's still a lot of misunderstanding within the church today about the role of the Holy Spirit within the church. Now, the Greek word most frequently used for spiritual gifts is this word called charismata. It is a word that relates to the grace of God, charis, grace of God. 
And concerning these gifts in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 7, the verses are going to come up on the screen. However, the Bible says, Paul writes, he says, however, he, God, has given each of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. It's very important for us to understand as a church, and I try to teach this as often as I can, at least once a year within our church, to clarify what it means to be a spirit-led or a spirit-filled church. And it begins with teaching people and teaching Christians that each one of us, irrespective of if we go to church every Sunday or not go to church every Sunday, irrespective of what denomination you are a part of, irrespective of what denomination you grew up in and where you go to church now or, 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 or not, it does not matter. When a Christian is born again, the Holy Spirit comes into the Christian. The Holy Spirit takes residence in the Christian. Now, guess what? The Bible says that the Holy Spirit just doesn't come by himself. He comes bearing gifts. Now, think about the Holy Spirit as this amazing host that comes and takes residence in your house, in your home, in your life, in your Christian life. And when he comes, he doesn't come empty-handed. He comes bearing gifts to bless you and help you and enable you to live a Christian life that is a blessing to everybody around you. All right? We're going to do some clarifications throughout this message, but I want to be very clear that each one of you sitting over here, it doesn't matter if you are a layperson or you're a minister of the gospel. It doesn't matter if you've been filled with the Holy Spirit or not. I want to clarify something, that every person that is born again, that is born in Christ Jesus, that has accepted Jesus into your heart, the Holy Spirit comes into your heart and comes into your life at that point of regeneration. And that's what the Bible is very clear in teaching us. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, just before Jesus ascended to heaven, he said this in his own words. He said, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost comes upon you. The promise of the power comes after the Holy Spirit visits your life. He says to be an effectual Christian, a strong Christian, a Christian that produces fruit, you've got to allow the Holy Spirit to work through your life, empowering you to be a witness strengthening your Christian walk, equipping you for Christian service to defeat the enemy in whatever he sets his mind to destroy you on. And like I said, we're a Bible-based, spirit-filled church. Everyone says, Pastor, we just have difficulty understanding. We need, we need some clarification on that. So are you a charismatic church? Well, the, the word charismatic, like I said earlier, it comes from that word charismata, which is the, the gifts of grace, the grace of God, or gifts of grace. So the, the, the churches that actually believe in the spirit gifts or, or, or the gifts of the spirit are often referred to as charismatic churches. Now, the problem with a lot of the charismatic churches is that so much of emphasis is given on the gifts of the Spirit that sometimes they are led astray in terms of not focusing on the Word, not being taught the Word the way the Word has to be taught, so on and so forth. A lot of people say, Pastor, are you a Pentecostal church? And a lot of people have these weird notions about what Pentecostalism means. I get these questions every time we celebrate Pentecost Sunday as to what Pentecostalism means. Is, is that, you know, some kind of weird thing? Because people you know, associate Pentecostalism with spinning and twirling and falling and, 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 and spinning again and, and all of those things that they're, they're like, oh, we're spooked by that. I don't know if this is something that we want to do, right? If this is something that I want to know. So everybody wants to know what exactly being filled by the Spirit and what exactly having the gifts of the Spirit sounds and looks like. 
Like I said, that Greek word uh, frequently used to describe spiritual gifts is this term, this, this, this word called charismata, a word that relates to grace. And Paul says that in Ephesians. He says, man, God has given you the, the gifts generously, right? And, and that's what we're trying to make us understand today, that anything outside of that, like this spirit that God gives us, is this based on what the Bible teaches us? What happened on the day of Pentecost? What is it that the Holy Spirit did? When, when the Holy Spirit moved in a powerful way on the day of Pentecost. There are a lot of churches around us that what we would call in theologi- theological circles as cessationists or people that do not believe in the moving of the Holy Spirit. And what that literally means is they, they believe that uh, the, the Holy Spirit moved for a certain period of time, for a certain number of years, when the apostles were preaching and teaching, miracles, signs, and wonders happened, prophecy happened, and today, nothing of that is relevant. There are a lot of churches that actually deal with that. There are a lot of churches that, that teach that. But today, I want to clear up a lot of those, those wrong notions, if I must, Because our church suffers from so many people being confused in so many different ways about how and 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 how we have to approach this whole idea of being filled with the spirit and what being filled with the spirit is all about. And the more and more we talk about it, the more and more clarification we may get about this whole idea of being filled with the spirit, because as a church. We don't believe in cessationism where the Holy Spirit has stopped working. As a church, as a pastor, I believe that the Bible says, I am the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. That's what the Bible says. And I believe that if he did it yesterday, he's doing it today. And he's going to continue to do it. That's what I believe. I've seen it happen. I continue to see it happen. And I believe by the power of Jesus that we as a church will continue to see it happen. And I pray that God will do it through many of you guys because the bible says that in the last day he will pour out his spirit on all mankind and not i don't know when the last day is and i don't know when jesus is coming back but i sure do know that all the signs are pointing to these being the last days and i know that the holy spirit is moving so are you charismatic are you pentecostal man there they you know i grew up i, I grew up uh, in a Pentecostal home, and, and, and the terms uh, Pentecostal and charismatic, they come, up with, come with so much baggage, primarily because we lay so much of focus on one thing, and, and history will show you how movements can become irresponsible, especially in this last season where, where prophetic ministry, and I'm talking about 2020, I'm talking about 2019, and I'm talking about the prophetic that we heard, and that was around social media, and the viral stuff that went all around where where the prophetic ministry was abused and and unqualified prophets were just coming up from here and there and everybody was just labeling themselves as people that were led by the spirit prophesying. It brings a bad rap with it and many movements turn into cults because they get fixated on people and a certain thing that everything revolves around that, that it becomes less less about Jesus and more about a thing. And what I want to do today, this morning, is to clarify something. That no matter what we do, that we as a church will be committed to be Bible-based. 
that we will go into the scripture for every single thing that we will base on theology. And we are, when we are a Bible-believing, spiritful church, we believe that if the word is spirit-breathed, there is everything, every little thing that we look at and we will understand the Holy Spirit will empower that inside of us so that we will, we will have the full experience of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So the more and more we understand this, the more and more we can look at God and say, God, we want to experience you in a very deep way. So as your life and my life is empowered by the Holy Spirit, there are these spiritual gifts or these new abilities called the gifts of the Holy Spirit that enable us to do the Lord's work in new and powerful ways. And this is what we're going to be talking about today. And the, Spirit, the scripture encourages us to seek those gifts, right? That's what the Bible says. It, it, it says it's available to each one of us, right? In, when, when we ask of God and as God gives it to us, now it's up to you and me to understand these gifts and stir them up within our hearts. So when we go back to that scripture, there are three groups of spiritual gifts that Paul is actually talking about there. Paul being inspired by the Holy Spirit, he's, he's, he's listing out these set of nine gifts that he puts out. And we're going to categorize it under three categories so that we can understand this, right? It can be understood this way. There are revelation gifts, and these notes are probably going to come up for you. There are revelation gifts, there are vocal gifts, and there are power gifts. What are the revelation gifts? Right? These revelation gifts, it includes the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. And I'm just running through this, but we're going to come back and revisit it. The vocal gifts, it includes the tongues, the interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. And the power gifts, it includes faith, healings, and the working of miracles. And the Bible is very clear when it says that each believer is promised an empowered life to intensify our ability to witness. The Bible says each one of us have a gift inside of us. One of these gifts is inside of us. The way God deems it you know, fit for us to have, he gives us and he equips us with these gifts for Christian service in order to defeat the enemy. Man, through these gifts... I pray that you and I will, be, will, will open our eyes and I, I pray that we will, in, we will be encouraged to take the time to study about each one of these, these gifts in depth and ask God for wisdom and say, God, in what area do I have to explore the gifts that you have given me so that I can be a blessing to the community that you've put me in? So let's talk about these revelation gifts. There are three revelation gifts that this scripture teaches us about. The, one, the first one is this, the word of wisdom. It's a word of wisdom. What is the word of wisdom? It's the application of knowledge, all right? The, the ex, we experience the word of wisdom when the Holy Spirit gives us supernatural wisdom or understanding through his word in certain situations. I don't know if you've ever been there, but when Jesus was faced with temptations in the wilderness, he ignored what Satan attempted to offer him by responding by quoting what? The word of God uh, to him. The moment he was, he, was, he was targeted and said, hey, what are you going to do? Are you going to eat this, this, turn the stone into bread, jump off this cliff? What does he do? He offers him the word of God. He gives him wisdom. Wisdom is activated at that point of time. 
What about Eve? On the other hand, Eve in the garden fails to confront devil's lies, right? And she was deceived because at that point in time, she fails to tap into the wisdom of God. See, here's the thing. You can use the word of wisdom to defeat the purposes of the enemy inside of you by knowing how to apply the word. And at times, it can mean the difference between life and death. God is looking at so many of us and saying, man, are you gifted? Do you have wisdom inside of you? Wisdom is everything. When Solomon was asked one of the biggest questions, hey, Solomon, what do you want? Solomon looks at God and says, God, if there's one thing that I desire, one thing that I want, that thing is wisdom. Can you give me wisdom? Because wisdom is the difference maker. How many of you ask God for wisdom in your life? In fact, the the word of wisdom is essential in the operation of all the other gifts. And in a little while, we'll understand as to why it is so. But it is important to seek this gift with everything we have. We have to pray for these gifts. We have to ask God to saturate our life with these gifts. And as we study the scripture, I pray that God will give us that wisdom. What is wisdom? It's applied knowledge. I know this is what I have to do. I know that this is this and this is that and this. But then God gives us the ability to take what we know and his influence and the Holy Spirit speaking through that will give us in-depth knowledge and the ability to be able to take knowledge and help us make decisions. We're, We're asked to make decisions every single day in our lives. And I pray, man, that we will be men and women, us Christians will be men and women that make, make decisions that are God-oriented, that are God-centered, that are Holy Spirit-led. How many of us, before making your decisions, you pray and say, God, what do you want me to do? Would you lead me to do what you want me to do? When I was doing my graduate studies at Southwestern uh, Assemblies of God University in, South, uh, in Waxahachie, uh, I, I, I was working at the library at that point in time as a library assistant. And uh, anytime there would be somebody that came in and couldn't find a book, uh, he, he, you know, they would come and say, hey, can you help me find this book? And I would go and I would search for like 10, 15 minutes, couldn't find the book. And then I would go to our librarian, uh, Pastor John Palmer. He, he passes his church now in Waco. And I would go to him and say, hey, John, I, I really can't find, could you help me. And the first thing that John would do is John would take that piece of paper that had the the number of that book, the Dewey Decimal number of that book. He would look at it and say, Holy Spirit, would you please lead me to this book? I kid you not. Sometimes I looked at him and I'm like, what are you doing? Like you're just over-spiritualizing everything. But guess what? He didn't need 10 minutes. He didn't 15 minutes. He would go upstairs and he would come down in a jiffy and he had the book in his hand. That man was a man who sought wisdom from God in every single thing that he did. It's simple. I tried that the other day. We were, we, were, we were trying to scurry around this building trying to find Jasmine's phone. Jasmine left her phone here, and she couldn't find where it was. And I looked at the Lord, and Lord, I'm like, Lord, I'm going to pull a John Palmer here. Like, I'm, I, I don't know, Lord, but give me wisdom, Lord. Give me the ability to be able to understand and get, lead me, Lord. Holy Spirit, would you lead me? Would you guide me? And, and guess what? We found the phone lying on a ledge where nobody, it was on silent mode, but God helped that happen. Sometimes it's the silliest things. But when we ask for wisdom, man, to make decisions that we need to make in life, are we seeking and tapping in to the presence of God and the Holy Spirit to speak to us and guide us every single day of your life? Gift number one is wisdom. Are we asking God for wisdom in every decision that we make? Do people look at us and say, man, he's a man of wisdom, she's a man of wisdom. There are people like that in this room right now that I as a pastor lean to. 
that I will pick up the phone and I will call and say, hey, I need, to, I need to use your wisdom here in this matter because I'm not thinking clearly right now. There are people, there are, there, are, there are elders sitting here in our church that I can call at any point in time and say, hey, I need your wisdom. I can get on a group call with them and say, I need your wisdom in this matter. Can you tell me what the Holy Spirit is asking you to do? Fortunately, we have men and women in this room that are led by the Holy Spirit to make decisions, to offer counsel and offer wisdom. And I pray that each one of us will seek for wisdom more than anything else in our lives. The second thing is the word of knowledge. What is the word of knowledge? Receiving facts supernaturally by the Holy Spirit. You know, the word of knowledge is something that couldn't possibly be known without the Holy Spirit's prompting. All right, there are numerous examples throughout the scripture where, uh, where we could point out and say, man, the, the, the Holy Spirit speaks through knowledge. The Holy Spirit speaks through prophecy. There, you, you talk about Elisha and the, the prophet that knew Gehazi had lied to Naaman the leper. That the, the young man had gone out and said, hey, I know Elisha doesn't want to do it, but I can do it. And when Elisha comes and confronts him, he says, hey, where have you been? Gehazi, his assistant, looks at him and says, nowhere. And God gives him the supernatural insight, this word of prophecy, so to speak. To say, no, it doesn't matter. I know exactly where you've been. God has given me the ability Sonia always talks about this. Sonia always talks about how her dad would, would talk to her and confront her every single time that uh, this was back when she was in college and she would, they would probably skip college and skip their classes and go watch a movie all day and then they would go back home and they, as soon as she walked back home, dad would be like, where you been all day? And Sonia says, uh, yeah, college, uh, I was in school, in my classes, and, and he was like, nope, you'd gone to the movies, hadn't you? And so he's like, I don't know how he knew. I don't know. And and some people call it father's intuition, mother's intuition. But let me tell you something. If you have praying parents, you know that you have the fear of God inside of you. No matter what. And I, I had praying parents. It was this crazy that even after I moved away from India, I was born and raised in India, moved here when I was 20 years old. Every morning without fail, five in the morning, no matter how tired my mom was, she would wake up and she would pray for one hour. And I would, I would hear this prayer from the other room, and I couldn't sleep because she would pray up a storm. And somewhere, sometimes out of nowhere, she would storm into my room. She would lay her hands on me while I was sleeping, and she would play, pray the devil out of me. I thank God for those moments. I thank God for every one of those moments. But even after I moved here, the amazing thing is this. Time difference and all, early in the morning at five, I could hear my mama praying. It's amazing. It's, it's weird. I, I at least heard it for a month. But that's how amazing it is. There's, there's this ability that God gives us when we pray, when we spend time in the presence of God to get supernatural insight into the heart of the Lord. And the word of knowledge can be a personal or it could be a, a corporate word that God has given you to share with others. And when you receive it, I pray that you will pray and ask God for wisdom. Sometimes it's scary. Say, Lord, you know what? You're asking me to do this. I don't know if this is, this is something that my conscience is telling me to do. or I don't know if this is God telling me to do this. I don't know if the Holy Spirit is telling me to do this, but I need wisdom in this matter. Can you direct me? Can you lead me? 
We had this conversation the other day at Growth Track, Chair, where, where we were talking about this. And, and you know, we said, man, at what point of time do we know as Christians that the Holy Spirit is speaking to when, when do we know that the Holy Spirit is speaking to us? And when do we know that the conscience is, our conscience is the one that's speaking to us? You want to know the answer? Here's the simplest answer I can give you. It comes a point in every believer's life. There, there comes a point when you have prayed it up when you have fasted it up, when you have spent time in the presence of God, and when you talk to God so regularly, it comes a point in your life where the, the, the voice of God and the voice of the Holy Spirit and your conscience blends and becomes one, and you hear what the Holy Spirit tells you every single moment of the waking day. It isn't that struggle. It isn't that, that fight. And when it is, you will easily discern it. Discern it. But it comes to that point where every decision you make is a, is a decision based on a word of knowledge. It's, a, it's based on a word of wisdom where you're like, man, I'm operating in wisdom. I'm operating in God things. I'm operating in the, in the wisdom of God Almighty. That's a gifting of the Holy Spirit. And here's what I'm trying to tell people here today. Each one of you over these nine gifts that we're talking about, each one of you are gifted with at least one of these gifts. But asking God and saying, God, man, Lord, this, this sounds amazing because when God looks at Solomon and says, Solomon, what do you want? He asks. Some of us need to ask God. Some of us are lacking in wisdom. Some of us need knowledge. Some of us need a word of I don't know where and what area you need wisdom in and knowledge in, but today I pray that some of us will ask the Lord and say, God, I need this in my life. Would you, be give, would you give me the ability for this? That leads me to the third one, which a lot of us need. Let me tell you this. A lot of us need the discerning of spirits. Perceiving the source of different manifestations, right? The last of the three revelation gifts, it helps us perceive whether a spiritual manifestation is from God, is from man, or is it from the devil? This is, I'm telling you, if you're gonna sit there and say, you do not struggle with this, I struggle with this every single day. And sometimes it's to perceive what is going on around me, not really what's going on in my life. Because you got to understand there are different things that come around you. There are things that influence you. You remember Peter? Peter betrays Jesus, right? Jesus looks at him and says, man, you're going to betray me how many times? Three times. You're, you're going to give me up. This little girl comes up to, to her and says, hey, aren't you, aren't you the guy that was with Jesus? She's like, nope, I'm not a, I'm not a disciple of Jesus. Sometimes the spirits that, that are around us doesn't, here's the thing, the Christian things that being, being impacted or being uh, attacked by the enemy comes with manifestations such as rolling of the eyes and, you know, the hair going loose and, 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 and rolling on the floor and, you know, exorcism. No, 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 it doesn't. It comes in the form of denials like Peter did where some of us have no clue that, that God is around sometimes. You have absolutely no clue that you need to stand up for God and do the right things sometimes. It comes in those forms where you blatantly deny God in many of the actions that we do day after day. In that point of time, we're not governed by the Holy Spirit. We're not led by the Holy Spirit. We're led by another spirit. Am I talking to somebody? It can come around, but what happens to Peter? The day of Pentecost comes. The Bible says they are filled with the Holy Spirit. What happens after that? It's so powerful when you understand this and read this because 54 days later, literally 54 days later, after he denies Jesus, this man is preaching to thousands of people and they're getting saved. 
That's the difference. That's what the power of the Holy Spirit can do in a person. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter what you did. It doesn't matter your baggage that you brought into the presence of God. But when you come into the presence of God and say, God, I'm sorry. I messed up. I, I, I admitted, God, I need you. I need your power in my life. There's something amazing that happens that the Holy Spirit comes in and he takes place in residence in your life and it eliminates the powers of darkness that try to control you and take over you. It's amazing. The discernment, and sometimes it's in your workplaces, in your relationships, the people that you communicate with on a regular basis, the people that you do life with. It can be family members. Sometimes God, you know, God, God, God's looking at some people and saying, there are Peters around you. I'm your best friend, the guy that told you, no, no, never, I'm not going to give up on you. You're BFF, Jesus. You're BFF that looked at you right in your eye and say, I will never leave your side. You need to have discernment, and Jesus said, no. It was the spirit of discernment that was in Jesus that said, you will forsake me. I know you're hard-headed, and you're saying that you won't, but you will. How many of us have the, the power of discernment inside of us? I'm telling you this. We're in a battle. You're in a battle. Look at somebody next to you and say, you're in a battle. And the devil is cunning, y'all, and sometimes evil masquerades come in different forms, right? So, so you must be watchful with supernatural senses, ex exercising this gift of discernment along with wisdom and knowledge because these are these revelation gifts that God's like, you need it. Every Christian needs to understand that we need to discern between the right spirit and the wrong spirits. At work, are you discerning? In your friendships, Important, can I say this as loud as loud can be in your friendships, in your relationships? Are you making sure that you're discerning the right from wrong? Decisions that you make, are you discerning if this is a trap of the enemy? Or are you discerning if this is what's, what is best for you and best for your family? Because traps can come in different ways. But the person that is in tune with God and led by the Holy Spirit can stand their ground and say, the Holy Spirit is inside of me. And because the Holy Spirit is inside of me, I know that God is going to lead me through this desert experience that I'm going through. Discernment is important. You know what made Joseph different? His ability, no matter even if he was away from his family, away from dad, away from mom, everybody that could hold him accountable, the fear of God that was inside of him. And the Bible says that. You want wisdom? It starts with the fear of God is what the Bible says. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. He had the fear of the Lord and no matter what came against him, he had the ability to stand his ground and say no. No matter what temptation came against him, he was able to discern between good and bad, and he had the ability to stand his ground and say no. The second category is vocal gifts. And these are the vocal gifts, right? The, the vocal gifts come in, in three, three different ways. And uh, the, the first one is what the Bible refers to as tongues. On the day of Pentecost came, you know, people started speaking in tongues. There was, uh, it was a supernatural means of communication. Now, here's the thing. There's this, this super big confusion about the, the first of the vocal gifts, which is tongues, because there are actually three different kinds of tongues, if I have to break it down, right? There's tongues unto God. There's tongues as a sign to the, the unbeliever. And there's tongues that edify the body of believers, The Bible says that in 1 Corinthians 14 too. It says, he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. 
It, it comes in your personal time in, that you spend with God, in your personal worship that you spend with God. We believe that. There are some people that are gifted with the, with the gift of tongues. Not everybody is. Not everybody possibly can. I pray that each one of you will seek that just like you seek wisdom and seek knowledge, but some people can't. Some people, you know, they've, they've tried for years and they've asked God for years, but they just don't see breakthrough in it. But the Bible says it is from God and, and those tongues come in a personal time that we spend with God. There is a revelation of that. And, and, and like I said, the, the Spirit brings gifts and the day of Pentecost when the, the Holy Spirit came down, the, the indication that people were filled with the Spirit was people started speaking in tongues. The second way is the tongues is a sign to unbelievers. Some people were marveled at hearing their own native tongue is what the Bible says. And it came as a sign to the unbeliever, the one that was not in Christ Jesus, when they were like, oh man, what are these guys doing? They don't even know what my language and they're just speaking my language. Maybe this is from God. It points them to God. I know many Christians that were, uh, not, not Christians, but many people that first came to church that were deterred by church because they saw somebody speaking in tongues or they heard somebody just rambling and somebody just getting up in the middle of church and shouting on top of their lungs. And, and that's where I want to make some clarifications because here's the thing. The third way is tongues have to edify the body of believers. Right? The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 5. There's order. Greater is he that prophesied than he that speaks tongues, except they interpret that the church may receive edifying. There's a place for it is what Paul is saying. Paul is not dismissing the value of tongues, for he wrote that I would not, if you know anybody that speaks in tongues, I speak in tongues is what Paul says. He's not diminishing it. He's not putting it down. He's not saying it's bad. He's not saying all of y'all who speak in tongues are not biblical, but he's drawing this fine line. Because in 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 4, the Bible says a person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, Right? Some of us, when we speak in tongues or when you speak in tongues in your personal prayer time, you know that that strengthens you personally. But in a corporate time of worship, and this brings me to the next point, which is the interpretation of tongues. God gives the ability to some people in the church to interpret that what other people don't understand. And that's the clarification that Paul wants to make over here. He's saying, if there is somebody that stands up in the middle of a church and has a word from the Lord in the form of tongues, there has to be an interpretation for that tongues. We will be a church of order. There, there's something that I always believe in. There's this translation of divine utterances into recognizable language to understand the interpretation of the tongues and, the, and, and this vocal gift that the Bible talks about. Because here's the thing. If there is an interruption to a service for somebody that has a word from the Lord, I believe in my heart that God will, God will empower somebody else in that place to be able to interpret what was said to the body of believers who did not understand what was said. I strongly believe that in my heart. There are a lot of people that don't understand the power 
and don't understand what it means to be transformed by the power of God because they're turned off by what church has, has introduced to them as the, the, the crazy. We don't explain to our kids. We don't explain to our young people. We don't explain to people that don't know, hey, this is exactly what happened in this place. Don't get me wrong, I believe in these gifts. I operate in these gifts, but we have to be biblically sound and we have to be Bible-based when it comes to this. The word shows that an interpretation of the tongues becomes equal to even prophecy is what the Bible says. And this, this gift requires spiritual maturity, and I believe it's done through prayer, and I believe that it can happen here. I believe that God can send a word for the church. I've seen it happen where people receive directly from the Lord, and they will come, and they will share what God has told them for the body of Christ, and everybody can understand it, right? But if somebody gets up and says, you know, says something in a, in, in a foreign language that nobody can understand, God requires that order to be in a place where God's like, man, I need my people to understand what I just said. And out of that respect for that word that God wants to share with his people, I believe that he has chosen somebody. And if there's somebody here that is gifted in that area, do not be afraid to exercise that gift if and when that happens. But that's where discernment comes. I've been in way too many settings, Jericho, where you know, there'll be somebody that interrupts a service and there will be absolutely no, you know what I'm talking about, Ash. There'll be no interpretation of tongues and there's like this awkward silence and everybody's like, what's going on here? And you know it's not from God. And you know that the Holy Spirit was not in there in that. It was an attention-grabbing moment. It was an attention-seeking moment, but we need to have these conversations in church. We cannot skip these conversations because there are so many people that are wanting answers, that are wanting a relationship with the Holy Spirit, but we keep evading these questions and invading these things because we feel like we don't need to offer explanations, and God is standing and saying, no, this is important. I want you as a church to experience this, but to experience this, you need to be taught exactly what it means. And very similar to the word of knowledge, there's this third one called prophecy, where the Bible says there's this revelation for edification. It's this third vocal gift. And the, spirit, the scripture is actually clear in 1 Corinthians 4 and, and verse 3. It says, he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. Do you know that, that this church was actually birthed out of prophecy? I do not disbelieve it for one bit. There are some, some of y'all probably sitting over here and be like, oh man, some of y'all probably new here and you're like, oh man, what a Sunday to visit church. He's talking about some spooky stuff. But I'm, I'm, I'm being very clear. This is who we are as a church. We believe in what the Bible says and the Bible is very clear when it talks about prophecy. We were birthed out of prophecy. Sonia and I, we ran away from planning a church. God looked at us and said, Ashish, Sonia, plan a church. We said no to God. Not once, not twice. We said no, and we ran away from God. I kid you not. I, we, ran, we, we acted like we did not hear God speak to us. And, and, and there was this friend that was visiting us, and he came to our house, and he said, hey, we, we had a great dinner. He was walking out of the house, and for your, those of you all who have attended Grow Track have heard this story before, but he was walking out of the house, and he's like, hey, can I pray for you? And he closes his eyes, prays for us. He says, the Holy Spirit is telling me that God has called you to plant a church, and you should do it. We're like, yikes. And guess what we did? We still ran away. 
Sonia's parents call us the, a few weeks after that and says, hey, you, you don't even know this guy, but this guy was in our house and he was praying for us. And, and God just told him that you have a, he, that, he, that pastor was praying for Sonia's dad and, and told Sonia's dad, you have a daughter in, Houston, in, in, in Dallas and her, her husband and her are supposed to plant a church. And I told them to plant a church and they, they are not listening to me. And if they don't, I'm going to take that from them and give it to somebody else. And at that point in time, we were like, Lord, no, please don't. We are obeying you. We will do what you ask us to do. So we are a product of prophecy. We believe strongly that that gift has not ceased. And and God, I pray in the last days, the Bible says, and he will raise up children and young people and youth to prophesy in his name. I believe that in our church, God will choose people to reveal the prophetic too. I believe in my heart. I've seen it happen before right? That it happens in seasons, correct? Like, I, I'm not a prophet by any means, but God has used me to prophesy to people. Sometimes I would be just sitting here on a Sunday morning worshiping God, and God says, hey, you need to text so-and-so and tell them that this is what I speak to their lives. And as a pastor, it is my job to do that. I'm a pastor, but sometimes God reveals the prophetic to me that I need to convey to people, I pray that you'll be open to that. And we've talked about this before. A few Sundays ago, we actually talked about this. That Yeah, even though the, pro- the prophetic may come to you, it's important for you to discern at that moment if that is from God or not. That's up to you. But there are so many people that are gifted with the gift of prophecy and God requires them to get out of their elements sometimes. And for some of y'all, this is a word of encouragement to you guys. If God is revealing something through you, you know, and if you're in the initial stages of hearing from God and you're like, ah, pastor, I don't know if I can do this. I'm scared. I don't know. I don't even know Jerry like that. How could I go and tell him that? Or I don't even know. Lord, come talk to a pastor about it. Pray with the pastor about it. Pray with your elders about it and say, hey, I I have this thing and it's just strong. It's just like pulsating and I just need to get this off my chest and maybe somebody can come alongside you and pray with We want to make that as a healthy practice in our church. If God is speaking to you over there during worship or during the word, and God has a word for you for the church, come up to us and share that with us. There's, there, there are elders, Richard's here, and, and, and Jerry's here, and we have our elders all around this place that you can come to and talk to and say, hey, this is what God is sharing to me. Can you pray with me about this so that we can talk to the church about this and pray? We want that in our church. We want to allow the Holy Spirit to move in only a way the Holy Spirit can move because when we're open to the gifts of the Spirit, we're a church that's going to explode. We're going to see God move in powerful ways. I'm telling you that because when the Holy Spirit started moving in the, in the church in Acts chapter 2 and when the Holy Spirit started moving and when they started prophesying and when they started seeing dreams and when they started seeing signs and wonders and miracles, guess what happened? People started getting baptized. People started getting added to the church. But I'm telling you something. We got to be able to sit and say, God, do what you got to do. Do what you got to do. This is important. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap up here. The third is power gifts. The power gives faith. You know what? I'm going to do like this, this follow-up to this because I have a bunch of material that I haven't spoken about that I want to do kind of a follow-up. So let's do a Wednesday night online bubble study. Y'all can jump on that. I'll probably be on Facebook or something and y'all can jump on that, all right? So faith. This, there's these three power gifts the Bible talks about. Faith is one. The God-given ability to believe him for the impossible. Y'all, some of us need to have faith. 
I'm, I'm tired of the, hey, we say this, we have this Bible verse in memory, God can do all things, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But when the rubber meets the road, you're like, ah, peace out. When troubles and tribulations come, where's the Advil? Where the doc, where's the doctor's opinion? You know what I'm saying? Like, like you, we, sometimes we just can't like talk about faith. We got to activate that faith sometimes. And if there's one gift that when I say everyone has, I believe in my heart that God has given us the ability to believe and have faith. Because I believe the gift of faith is the greatest of the power gifts. The exceptional ability to trust God to work, even in the unusual ways or in particularly challenging situations. What is our theme for this year, church? Anybody? We even have a t- God things. I, we, we even have a t-shirt with God things on it. Because that's exactly what we're believing for this year. Not just this year, but going forward. That's going to be our theme because there are some things that only God can do. Am I talking to somebody over here? There are some things that only God can do. And we've been seeing that as a church. And we're going to continue seeing that as a church. God is going to do some amazing things. But God is looking at some people who can step up in faith and say, I have the faith of a mustard seed. And if I have the faith of a mustard seed, I'm going to see some stuff happen around me. I need some people who can agree with me as a pastor and say, Pastor, no matter what, you might say, you might have the most craziest of visions and you might be speaking of things that we're not able to do financially and we can't do. I thank God for our elders of this church. No matter how crazy of propositions I give them, they're people that say, Pastor, we'll pray. And and two days later, they'll come alongside me and say, Pastor, if God told you to do it, we're right by you. Let's go do it. If I just list out some of the craziest stuff that we have done in this year, all right, you will be shocked because we're done talking about faith. God says, I need y'all to do some God things, some, some faith that requires God things to move. Like, like God needs to move in like big ways, amazing ways, and God can't move unless you have God-sized faith. And some of us need to step into that arena of God-sized faith this morning. How do we move in this gift? Paul says, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. How many of us are activating the faith that God is giving us through the hearing of the word? How many of us listen to this word this morning and you're going to run with it when you get back home, activate, put faith into every single thing that you do. That's how you build faith. The next one is healings. Paul says, the next gift, the gifts of the spirit is healings, the restoration of health. The power gift of healings is important. It's not plural, it's, they're actually plural, it's not singular. For they apply to both physical health, emotional health, all the areas of your life. Healing restores what is broken. You know what the Holy Spirit can do? The Holy Spirit can use a multitude of acts of faith to heal. And sometimes it's a spoken word. The Bible says, and as Jesus spoke to them, they were healed and they were made whole. We, we read about it in the New Testament about laying of hands and putting of the oil and, and Peter's shadow falling on people and they were healed. It's all in the Bible. And the, and, and the Bible says, I am the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And if it happened yesterday, church, it can happen today. We're a Bible-believing, spirit-filled church. And what that means is we will not apologize when we pray for healing. 
We will continue to pray for healing. No matter what, how impossible your situation is, no matter what the doctor has said, we will pray for God's will in your life. We will pray that God's will happen. Man, it is impossible. I have seen way too many things that were deemed impossible that God said is possible. Amen? I've seen that happen, and nobody can convince me otherwise. And the last one is the working of miracles. It's different from healings because divine creative acts, the power of, it's, it's, it's different from healings that, that healings are just a restoration of health, but miracles are supernatural occurrences against the law of nature. It was against the natural order of things for God to turn back the Red Sea for the children of Israel to walk through land to the other show. Right? It, was un, it, it was not natural for God to suspend the rotation of the earth to allow time for victory or for the walls of Jericho to fall down flat. But these miracles happened to Joshua and the armies. These miracles happened in the Bible. Right? Am I talking to somebody this morning? Healings are there. Right? Restoration of health is there. But I believe in the miraculous where there's God can create something out of absolutely darkness. And I've seen that happen before. Right? When, when arthritis no longer afflicts a body or blind eyes see again, we call them miracles. But they're actually healings. Right? Healing is a work of restoration. But miracles are creative acts that go against normal life laws of nature and that's who my God is my God is not constrained or restricted by laws he created them and he has control and power over them man I believe in creative miracles I believe in it why because the Bible says it's possible I will, I, I, a lot of people, you know, like to, like to beat around the bush and preach the message that people like to hear. And, you know, if, if the, the years want to hear, oh, it may or may not be possible. You know, they, no, 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 it's not that way. I'm very, very strong when I preach about this. If it happened yesterday, it can happen today. I'm telling this into some of your lives. Your, your position might not change. Your situation might not change. Your, 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 it, it might not change, but it will not stop me from praying for you and praying for a miracle because he can do it church I've seen it happen and he can do it again in the middle of darkness he's spoken into the darkness and he created the light and I believe that if he did it he can do it again would you stand up to your feet with me church I'm going to continue this I have 12 principles that relate to God's design for these spiritual gifts. And we'll talk about that, at least five or six of them, but I'm gonna call the worship team on stage. And as we wrap up the service this morning, we're going to uh, participate in communion this morning. If there's, there's somebody here that hasn't received communion today, would you lift up your hands real quick so that somebody can bring you communion? All right. We have a few hands lifted here, team, if y'all can serve them real quick. Uh, keep those hands slightly lifted up. You can do that awkward hand lift where they'll bring you the communion real quick. But man, we're excited today about communion. We, we get to do this Sunday after Sunday because this is, this is participating in what, what many churches call a sacrament. There are two ordinances, like we like to call it, in the Bible that are very interconnected. One is baptism. And the other is communion. 
There's anybody here that, is, that has never been baptized. You know what baptism is? Baptism is the acknowledgement of Jesus being the king of your life. And taking the next step towards confessing that and, and making that decision and saying, Jesus is the king of my life. And the second ordinance that we, we follow as a church is communion. Communion is super, super special to us. And the reason communion is special to us, it is because it is a command of God. It's a profound symbolism, if you ask me. There are two elements that we'll be partaking in today. There's the bread, and then there's the cup. There's the juice. It's, there are two sections to it. In a few seconds, it's, there's a clear section that you can peel away on top, and then there's another section that you can peel away to give you the juice, but in a few seconds, we'll, we'll partake in that. If you want to open up that, that first layer, that clear layer, and get your bread out or the wafer out, I want you to hold it in your hand. You know, on that day where Jesus was sitting with his disciples, what we know is the Last Supper, Jesus sat there, he took the bread. The Bible says he took the bread. He gave thanks. And he looked at them and said, this represents my body that was broken for you. He said, guys, I'm about to do something that's going to be life-changing, history-turning. It's going to be something that changes the complete landscape of everything that you know. And he said, this that you're holding in your hand is the new lease of life. Throughout his testimony, throughout his life, the three years of ministry, he said, I am the bread of life. I am life is what he kept telling people. You know, that's a message that continues till this day. You know, if we understand the teachings of the word, there's nothing magical that's going to happen to this bread. There's nothing magical that's going to happen to this juice. Absolutely nothing. They will remain bread. They will remain juice. And yet there's something more going on, something very special because whenever we respond to the Lord Jesus in faith, he meets us with grace. He meets us with salvation. He meets us with joy and wisdom and rest for the brokenhearted. And he looked at us and said, this bread is my body that will be broken for you. There's so many of us going through pain today. There's so many of us going through mental pain, physical pain. And in all of that, God reminds us through the sacrifice on the cross that he's got us. No matter what you're going through this morning, I want you to believe with me, have faith with me, trust with me that our God is fighting our battles on our behalf. The Bible tells us in Isaiah, it says, by my stripes you are healed. It's a done, 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 done act. You and I can walk in full freedom, in full healing because of the sacrifice on the cross of Calvary, y'all. So he took that bread, he broke it, 
and he gave it to his disciples. He blessed it is what the Bible says. As we partake of this, I pray that we will, we will think back, we will look back to that profound sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross of Calvary for your sin and for my sin. But just not for our sins, but for the restoration of our health, for healing, for, for, for blessing, for deliverance. So this morning, would you break that bread with me as I say a word of blessing? Father, we thank you for this bread. God, as we partake of this, I pray that every person in this room that is going through a hard time physically will surrender themselves to you today. Because God, you are on the throne. And you died the, died the death that we do not have to die. Lord, you offered up that sacrifice that we would never have to offer. Because Lord, we, like you knew, Lord, that nothing we did could ever measure up to what you did on that cross through your son, Jesus Christ. Because we're sinners. God, I'm a sinner. Pastor Oshish is a sinner. And I am in desperate need of forgiveness. I fail you day after day. I failed you today. I failed you yesterday. I failed you throughout this week, God. I am sorry. But I know, God, that I didn't stand a chance if it was up to me. But I thank you for your body that was given up for me. And today, Lord, as we partake of this, as your church, we want to remember that sacrifice on the cross of Calvary. Father, we want to give you praise and we want to give you glory. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Can we partake of this together, church? And he lifted up the cup. What is remarkable was he was about to give thanks for something that was about to be painful. And all of our pain that we go through today, church, Remember that the biggest pain that a human being can go through is the non-forgiveness of your sins. And that was remedied by this, by the blood that was shed on the cross of Calvary. When he gave up his life, the Bible says every ounce of blood flowed out of his body and there was no blood left, a lifeless body hanging on a cross. But every ounce of that blood flowed out. It was a gory image. It was a hateful image. It was a painful image that even his own, his loved, ran away because they couldn't bear that sight. And it is through that same image that his own ran away from that he invites you back into an intimate relationship with. There's somebody here that does not know Jesus Christ. I'm telling you something. This, we don't own this cup. We don't own this bread. We have an open table here, which means that anybody that has a relationship with Jesus can partake in this, this communion experience. But if you do not know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to give you an opportunity today. He is the difference maker you have a void that you've tried to fill and you can't, would you ask him to fill every void in your life?
because he is able. He is able. And his blood washes away every sin. He makes every unqualified person qualified. He takes the downtrodden. He takes the hurting. He takes the the, the one that is in pain. He takes the rejected. He takes everything that, that people have cast away and thrown away. And he accepts it. He embraces it. And he says, you have a place in me. And today I go to sleep at night knowing that my Jesus has forgiven me. And as we partake of this, I pray that we will look inward, examine ourselves. And if you do not know this Jesus, I pray that you will discover this Jesus today. Would you peel away that covering and uh, as we get ready to partake of this juice, Father, I want to thank you for this, Lord. I pray, God, that we will come to that realization if we haven't already, but that by this blood, Lord, we might be drinking something really sweet today, but what happened on that cross was far from sweet. It was gory. It was painful. It was the sign of rejection and pain and all of that put together. But today we get to enjoy the fullness of your grace and the fullness of your love and the fullness of your forgiveness because of this. And today we want to remind ourselves of that, Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Can we partake of this together, church? Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening. We love bringing you the word on so many different platforms. We are so thankful for what God is doing in and through us. We'd love for you to subscribe so you don't miss out. And don't forget to share this message if it has blessed you.